Yes, let's go live with Jack Kelly. So good morning. Good morning to everyone. Today, I want to talk about recruiters. Everything you wanted to know about recruiters, but were afraid to ask. If you're looking for a new job, if you've ever looked for a job, chances are you've dealt with recruiters. And um, I've been a recruiter for 25 years plus. It's hard to believe. It's crazy. So I started recruiting when I was three. And I've been running a search firm focused primarily placing people on Wall Street. And so th this way I can kind of give you some real insights about what recruiters are all about and how they work. And the reason I felt it's so important to have this kind of conversation, because there's a lot of distrust and a lot of misconceptions about recruiters. I think, and you won't hurt my feelings if you, if you make, you know, comment, you give comments or you have questions, because I get it with a, a lot of times people feel, hey, you know, I, I have this recruiter and they're just blowing me off. They're ghosting. I have this recruiter. They're not helping me out. Um, and you get all these things. So you feel like there's this kind of a little bit of antagonism going on. Like, I, I, I think I should use a recruiter, but then I hear some not great things about it. But then I hear some friends who got, had a great recruiter and made a whole lot of money. So let me dispel some of the myths and give you kind of, you know, a transparent what goes on. So let's start with this. One of the key things is I've noticed over the years that leads to frustration is that someone will refer a recruiter to a person. They'll say, hey, Jack, I know you're looking for a job. I have this great recruiter, Christine, and she'll help you. And then they're like, oh, that's great. Wonderful. Time goes on. It's like, wait, is this not working? And then you realize that the recruiter that they made the referral, you know, Christine, doesn't specialize in my field. So she doesn't have any contacts. She doesn't know anybody in, in, in the space that I want a job in. She doesn't know about the companies. There's no in. So then you've kind of wasted your time. And now as a candidate, you feel like frustrated. This could be avoided by when you speak to recruiters. This one thing to start with will help out tremendously. If anyone gives you a recommendation for a recruiter or you look for a recruiter or you say, hey, my buddy is a great recruiter, you, in my opinion, you want to find somebody who specializes in your space. You want to find somebody who specializes in what you do. Now, some recruiters will argue and uh, I could, I, I'll, I'll understand and I kind of agree with what they say. They'll say, no matter what, if I'm a good recruiter, I could place anybody anywhere. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give that. However, in my opinion, I would offer a caveat that yes, a good recruiter could place people. However, if you have a good recruiter who specializes in a certain area, particularly in a certain niche, you're going to be better off. I've found over the years, some of the best recruiters, and I'm generalizing because there are a lot of great recruiters, I'm generalizing, but the recruiters who hyper-focus on one or two or maybe even three niches tend to do really well. 
because they're not spread out everywhere. And it, and, it, and it makes sense if you think about it, right? If let's say you're a recruiter and you're recruiting for accounting and Wall Street and tech and this and that, you're like 10 miles wide and a quarter inch deep. You don't have any depth because you. how can you really know 10 different industries? How can you understand what goes on at these 10 different industry kind of places? But if you only hone in on one, two, maybe even three areas, you could be an expert. And that's one of the values of having a recruiter. So you want to find this recruiter who specializes in your area. Here's what happens. They'll kind of, they could have even placed, I, I Oh, I think I hit the move back set. So let's say you you play I place the manager. Now they're looking for somebody to report into the manager. What an advantage I have because I know the manager. I'm friends with the manager. I know what he or she likes, what she doesn't like in a candidate, what she's looking for, the type of person. She'll trust my judgment because I placed her or him. And it makes it much easier. You know the corporate culture. You understand how, what the titles are like. Because when you when you look for a job, it's it's crazy. A vice president in one bank or one company it could be so different than a vice president somewhere else. The compensation, and you would think compensations are pretty much the same across the board, but no, you could have similar type of companies, and and the total comp. All out of whack. So you could have that if that recruiter specializes in that area, they could really give you some good data points about how much to expect in a salary, in a bonus, in stock options, in their health plan, and other things. So you have that. So that's one of the things you have to find that right recruiter. Now, there are different types of recruiters. And to make it just easy, I'll just talk about, let's say, three of them. One is when you're talking about retained search. Retained search is usually for, for executive level, C-suite level people. So these are the chief, uh, the chief executive officer, the chief financial officer, the chief people officer, the chief whatever officer, chief you know cook, bottle washer, and everything officer. So those for those that they're paid, millions and millions of dollars, you're, you're looking for a retained search. Retained means that the company is only using the services of one recruiting agency. That recruiting agency is doing all the recruiting. And it's primarily for senior level executives. Then underneath, you have contingency. And contingency recruiting is what I do which is like a disgusting, horrible job. It sucks. It's crazy. Most, most, people, most people do not, as a little kid, say, hey, I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a recruiter. That never happens, right? Never happens. More often than not, recruiters just fall into recruiting. And again, no offense to recruiters. I've been doing this 26 years. I made a crazy amount of money doing it. So I, I just want to be transparent about everything. So with the contingency, 
check this out because you may not realize this. And this is going to kind of shed some real light on why you have all these issues or questions about recruiters. I'll get a job order from a company, you know, ABC widget company. And they'll say, hey, Jack, we're looking for blah, 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 blah. Give me all the information, a job description, speak with the HR person, maybe speak with the manager, and then off to the races. It's an eat what you kill business, which is such a gross term, but that's what it is. What that means is that as a contingent recruiter, which most recruiters are, you're given that job assignment, but... But not only do, you, do I get that assignment, but there might easily be five or six or more other recruiting agencies that have also been given that job board. And then within those companies, you have a whole bunch of recruiters working on it. So you're going to be competing with two, three, four, five, six different companies that are recruiting. And within those companies, maybe you know each one has three, four, five people recruiting. So you're going after all those. Additionally, if that's not hard enough, right? If that's not hard enough, additionally, the company still is going to recruit themselves. So their talent acquisition is competing against me and the other recruiters to find somebody for that job. And... And let me give you some more. And they could also post the jobs on LinkedIn and other job boards. So think how crazy that is. So think how crazy it is. So you get this job to recruit for and you're excited and it sounds awesome, but you have intense, intense, intense competition from the company itself. Because you would think, because the company itself, Job seekers go, I'm going to go right to the company. What do I need Jack for? And you have all these other competitors. So there's this, it's it's like you have, you're all fighting for that same bone, like a bunch of junkyard dogs all fighting for that same bone, you know, for that same bone. And whoever gets it wins because the way contingency works is that you only get paid if you bring in the winning candidate and that candidate becomes an employee and stays there for usually a specified period of time. It could be three, three months, six months or so. And that's the only way you get paid. If let's say they leave before three months, they say, sorry, <laughs> you're not, we're, we're not paying you for it. You have to stay there. And if you put in hours and hours of work, speaking to lots of people, making calls, sending emails, having Zoom calls, meeting in real life. And you're doing this for days and weeks and months and hours. And then someone else gets it or the company just tires within. And so you put in all that time, all that energy for nothing. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying this so you feel bad for recruiters. I'm saying this so you can get an understanding, like taking the curtains and opening it up and seeing what's behind it. That's what's really going on. Now that I gave you this big picture, think about it. 
one of the big turnoffs people have about recruiters is they feel, hey, whenever I need a recruiter, they're not there. <laughs> What's why I don't get it. I need a recruiter. And then when I don't need a recruiter, they're constantly calling and harassing me. All right. So let me explain. That's, that's, I get it. That's legit. But now that you're watching this video, you should now, you're going to understand it. Because it's a race to find the, the right candidate for the job to place the person so you can get paid. And the commissions, so you know, are pretty nice. It could be 20%, 25%, maybe even up to 30% of the base annual salary. And depending on the company, depending on the level, could be even more. So we're talking about a lot of money at stake. So what happens is this. If, if I spend an inordinate amount of time with a candidate who I know is not good for the job whatsoever, I'm now at a bit of a disadvantage because all the other recruiters and the company itself is pursuing the ones who are right on target. So if you end up spending a lot of time with people who are not good for the job, and when I say not good for the job, it just I'm giving you the reality. You know, you hear things like, oh, we hire based on skills and we hire this BS. They don't. They want to hire someone who does exactly, exactly what the job order asked for, what the job description asked for. You know, the skill, skills-based hiring. Oh, yeah, skills-based. No. When it really comes to it, they want somebody. Here's a job description. It has 10 ingredients, 12 bullet points. They want you to have 15 out of those 12 bullet points. They want you to have everything. So you need to find that candidate, that winning candidate who has everything. And the reason why they're so tough on it, because they're spending a lot of money on recruiting fees. And so I, I, I respect that and I accept that. I accept that they're coming out because companies are giving recruiters the jobs because oftentimes the companies can't do it themselves or don't have enough bandwidth at the particular time or just are overloaded with other things. So they need the help and they're going to pay for the help. So if you spend as a recruiter here, it's just, it's, it sounds harsh. It sounds, it sounds terrible. It sounds rotten, but I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't help anybody here if I tried to sugarcoat it. I look at my job when it comes to, you know, these podcasts, these LinkedIn lives to really be transparent and give you what's happening. And by kind of candy coating it and make it sound nicer, how's that going to help you? It's better to know, here's the real deal. Here's what's happening. Here's what's going on in reality. So when next time you feel a, a, a recruiter is blowing you off, they're not blowing you off because they're a jerk. They could be polite about it. I agree with you They because they, um, I know you're thinking that. Of course, they should be polite, respectful, and, and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jane Smith, I'm sorry, I can't really spend a lot of time right now because I have several assignments that I really need to work on it. And right now, your background, your experience doesn't fit with what I have. I just don't have those jobs. So I'm sorry, I can't help you now, but let's stay in touch. And, and we'll work together when I do find something that, that fits for you. Now, to me, that would make a lot of sense, right? Because you're being respectful, you're letting the person know, and, the, and, and, a, and a rational person would say, oh, I didn't realize that. I figured you could help anybody. And related to this, related to this, there's a misconception too, 
they think, you know, most people think a recruiter could place you anywhere, but that's not the case. Recruiters can't just say, oh, I have a person, I'm going to send a resume into the company and place you. No, you need a contract with the company, a signed agreement that you could work on a certain job and it, you know, have all the caveats of any, any contract. So even if you want to help that other person, you know, sometimes you could put a gun to my head and say, hey, Jack, I need a job. You got to do it for me. Well, if I don't know the companies, I don't have relationships with the companies, I don't have contracts with the companies, um, I don't understand those business models, you know, or that business model that, you know, you want me to help you with, I really, I don't have that ability. I can't do it. And that's what I think where you get a lot of this like tension because people aren't aware of that. They just think, oh, you're a jerk and you don't want to help me. No, I can't. Like, for instance, if you said to me, Jack, I, I, I have to place this software developer for a fan company that does these things. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm in trouble. I can't do it. I don't know it. I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough people there. I don't have contracts with those companies. So I can't help. Now, I think one of the things that becomes problematic is that the recruiters don't do enough to say to their can to to these people what's really going on and say, I would love to help, but I just can't help because I don't know how to help for you right here, right now. And I think like most people, you don't want to admit weakness. So what happens a lot of times recruiters don't say anything and they just ghost the person, blow them off, leading to bad feelings. So, so I, I think by 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 sharing this, you kind of get a better sense how the competition is brutal. So you have to find that right person. And if you're not the right person, you probably get the cold shoulder. And then to the other point is like, you know, why don't you call me when I need you? Well, it doesn't work like that. The bell doesn't go off and say, okay, this is the right time. You never know what the right time is. So you could be happy in your job. So let's say, you know, Jane Doe is happy in her job. Everything is great, but I find a job that's better, more money, more opportunity. And presuming I, I dealt with her in the past. So I kind of know what she's looking for. Right. So then I contact her and say, Hey, I have this great job. And, and, and then she'll be like, well, leave me alone. I have a job already. Sorry, but I happen to have a job that's really great. And you can make more money, more opportunity. It's a better company, all that kind of stuff. Leave me alone, leave me alone. So sometimes you just can't win. And I can't blame that person because that person, maybe they're happy where they are. They just want to do their job. They don't want to find out that a recruiter is, is soliciting her and then she can get in trouble. You know, boss and colleagues will find out and you don't want to run that risk, particularly in a market like this, that's kind of, you know, that's hard and tight and it's tough to find a new job. So, so these are these are the things that are swirling around. These are the, you know the things that you know are, are swirling around that people like ends up getting just just angry and frustrated of like why this is happening, why am I getting blown off, why why don't they get back to me, and and hopefully to put up like a pause now. Does it, I hope that makes sense so far, so you kind of understand, you know where where I'm coming from how it works, and now why these things are happening. Now, let me give you some of the positive aspects of dealing with a recruiter. One of the things 
you don't have to go it alone. I mean, when you're searching for a job, it's a lonely experience. You're out there, you're sending resumes, sending resumes. Just wrote a piece for Forbes about people sending 500 plus resumes and nothing and nothing. So you're sending resumes, nothing is happening. You know, and you're, you're looking at all the job boards, you're on LinkedIn and it's not happening. With a recruiter, at least you have an ally. You have somebody who's in your corner. It's, it's almost like a Hollywood agent or sports agent. You know, it's like Jerry Maguire. You know, show me the money kind of thing. Because the relationship with a recruiter and a candidate is very interesting. It's a mutually benefiting relationship. If I play somebody, there's a good likelihood that they're going to get maybe a 20% or higher increase on the base salary. Now, in this market might be tougher. So I'm generalizing over the course of 26 years, you know, how it goes. It could usually be historically on average, you know, some years are higher, some are lower. Let's even be, let's even be very conservative. So you can make a 15%, 17%, or even 20% bump up off the base. Now that's a nice, that's a nice move, right? And then maybe you can get a higher title, go from AVP to a VP, maybe from a VP to a director, to a managing director. So by having an ally, having a recruiter who could help you with the search is going to be mutually benefiting because you're going to make a whole lot more money. Presumably you're going to get a better job with a better company with more advancement and the recruiter gets paid. And the recruiter, as we talked about before, the recruiter only gets paid if they place you and you remain there and you stay there in good standing. So there's, there's a relationship that both sides want to make it work. And if it does work, both sides benefit. Now, sometimes people say, I don't want to use a recruiter because that's going to come into my salary and that's not good. Well, maybe, maybe not. To be fair, I really don't see that from companies. The only time I'll find out, I'll see that maybe from companies when it's a really bad you know, economic situation and things are terrible and they don't want to spend any money and they're counting any, every penny. Usually what happens is that a company goes out to a recruiter because they're having trouble finding that person themselves. Now, doesn't mean that the talent acquisition and internal recruiters at the company are bad. No, it just may happen at this point in time for a specific type of role. They might not have the bandwidth, the knowledge, the contacts to get that job filled. They may have a lot of jobs and they just have to prioritize which ones the company can handle on their own and which ones they're going to allocate to outside recruiters like myself to get it done because they have to fill these seats and it's a cost of doing business. So generally speaking, they factor in the amount of a placement fee to a recruiter into the whole hiring process. Now, are there times that companies 
will not want to use recruiters because they don't want to spend that money? Sure. I think this is one of the times where you'll see, you've, we've seen a lot of recruiters lose their jobs. We've seen a lot of um, HR people losing their jobs, a lot of talent acquisition, a lot of DEI. So these are the areas they cut, but it's cyclical. Then when times go good, they hire up again. The recruiter also has the benefit. And let's go back to what we're talking about. By knowing an industry, knowing a sector. So by knowing that industry, knowing that sector, when it comes time for negotiating salaries, they could, they could help out and take care of that, which is very important because I don't, how many people who are watching this now and then people who watch it later think about it, were in this awkward position where you're getting an offer and now you have to negotiate the offer with the HR person or the internal recruiter or whoever the you know designated person is. And that's super uncomfortable and hard because basically they're asking you, you now have to negotiate against your own boss and you didn't even start yet. So think how uncomfortable it is. You have to kind of push and cajole and do whatever it takes to get as much money with your boss and you're not even there yet. So sometimes what happens, you don't want to push too hard. You don't want to negotiate too hard because you don't want to think you're a jerk because then you don't want to feel that your, your soon-to-be manager, wow, this Jack is going to be a pain in the butt. He's pushing and pushing for this. He's pushing for that. He's asking for you know stock and more money and more title and he wants to work remote. And you know what? I don't even know if I want to hire him. He's looked like a big pain in the butt. Maybe we, maybe we made a mistake. We should find somebody else. But if you have a recruiter, kind of like you know, a, a, a Hollywood agent, you know, a sports star agent, they'll intercede. They do this often. When you're looking for a new job, how many times are you going to negotiate salaries? Once every five years? Once every 10 years? You know, if you move a lot, so every couple of years. So you, you, you can't get great at it only doing it a few times and doing it intermittently over the course of years. But recruiters do this all the time, all day long. So you get good at negotiations. You know when to push. You know when to pull back. Because you specialize in a certain area, you, you kind of, you have the insights of how much they usually pay, you know, what's the base salary for a certain, what are the corporate titles? What's the career path? What kind of benefits do they have? What kind of stock options, if anything? <laughs> Any stock equity? They understand about the corporate culture, their values. So you're able to get a good feel of everything. And then when it comes to negotiations too, you know when maybe we could... Instead of maybe we can't get all the money you want here, but there's room for a higher bonus, or maybe get some, you can negotiate for stock, or maybe you negotiate for um, a, a remote or a hybrid option. So the recruiters could kind of be this middle person that smooths it all out, and you don't have that awkwardness 
of 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 kind of fighting against the person you're going to be working for so you could take yourself out of it and let the recruiter take care of all of that does that make sense so far does that is that is that good uh, are you are you all with me chris how's that going so far okay i have a question yes. as a job seeker how can you tell the difference between a good recruiter and a bad recruiter that's a good that's a good question um let, let, let's let's just start from the top. If you want to find a recruiter, I would suggest a couple of things. Go to people who you know who got who recently received a really cool job within your space. And then you could go to that person and say, Hey, Christine, you got this awesome job, you know, making so much more money. You seem so much happier. Who did you use? Who's your recruiter? And let's say for the sake of conversation, the you know. The recruiter that hired you and I'm in the same space, then, you know, say, Hey, can you, you know, can you hook me up? Then, you know, I'll say, okay, Hey Jack, here's my recruiter. Here's your information. Talk with him or her. And then you have a conversation and you see if you gel and you feel comfortable with, you know, recruiters are like any human being. Some are nice, some aren't nice. Some are great at, at handholding. Some aren't, some are empathetic. Some, some are not. So you want to get a vibe check. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel this person is right for you? Are they too pushy? Are they not pushy enough? So you want to feel them out. Then you want to ask around and see if anybody else has ever heard of this recruiter or know about the recruiter. Go on job boards to see, is that recruiter placing jobs or posting jobs in your space, in your lane, at the compensation level and the corporate title level that you're good for because the recruiter may be good, but if they don't, they don't really, like we talked about before, specialize in it, or they don't really know this industry as well, that's not going to help. So you want to look to see on LinkedIn, do they post and the type of roles they post on other job sites, how they post. You want to speak to, you know, the people who use the recruiter and then, and ask around. Um, and I think the most thing is you want to schedule a Zoom call. I would say in person, but it's, I think the, those days are over. So have like a Zoom call just to feel that person out. Plus, you don't have to have just one recruiter. You know, it's, it's okay to have a couple. You don't want to have too much because they could be overlapping and it could get awkward and uncomfortable. But maybe you can have two or three recruiters looking out for you. And you don't need a recruiter when like you're in between jobs. It's helpful to have a relationship and continuing relationship with people on an ongoing basis. So when you do need this person, you already know them. They have a relationship. They know what you want. They know what you don't want. So then you could they could help you right away. So you want to you want to keep that kind of dialogue open. You want to keep that communication open. Um, and then and then it goes back to Christine. Just how do you feel? Do you feel that this person is going to really advocate for you? Um, it's like finding a good real estate agent or a good lawyer or a good stockbroker. You really just want to ask the tough questions. You want to see how they react. You want to get a sense of how they are as a human being. And then, and then you kind of judge and say, hey, I think this person could really do well for me. Perfect. Um, another way, and by the way, referrals are also a, like a great way because 
just like people are sending resumes in for jobs, like ridiculously, you know, everyone's shooting their shot. They're sending over resumes that are completely not right for the jobs, but they're just hoping and praying. And I can't blame them because they want a job. They've been looking for a month, two months, three months, four months, six months, seven months, you know, and not getting anything. So they're just flipping their resumes everywhere. And similarly with recruiters, you know, they'll be constantly hit up about, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And as we talked about, a lot of them can't because they don't specialize in your area. So what <laughs> so what what you want, one of the things to have is a is a referral. So if someone, let's say Christine is, you know, got a great job through a certain recruiter, and then she'll say, Hey, Jack is looking. Would you mind? You know, can he talk to you? And recruiters love referrals because they know that that person did their homework, that person is good, that person was successful. And so it's just not, it's most likely I'm not going to be spinning my wheels on somebody who I just can't place at all. So that that's a that's a you know really you know good way to judge. Um the other thing is there's you hear these things about the hidden, the hidden job market, the hidden job market, like so spooky and suspicious, and oh it's hidden, no one knows about it. What really is what the hidden job market? There are a lot of times where companies don't want to broadcast that they're hiring. Why, you may ask? Well, I'll tell you. Sometimes there's a person in a certain role. Let's say you have some manager, and the manager sucks. The manager, is, he's terrible. No empathy, no compassion, no psychological safety for the team kind of a narcissist, a micromanager, and it's just awful. A couple of people have already left in the company in, in, that, in that division because this manager is just dreadful. Then a time comes where management and HR and all the other players get together and say, this is, this is not acceptable. We, we, can't, we can't do this. We got to manage this person out. Somehow we have to get that person out of here. Now, when that happens, generally, the company does not place a job posting, a job listing on LinkedIn or Indeed or Glassdoor or niche sites. The reason they don't post it, because it'll blow up their spot. They don't want to show their hand. They want to manage that manager out maybe through a performance improvement plan or something like that, or they just want to take their time and document everything because we're in such a litigious society that if you just fire somebody, you run the risk of being sued. So they probably need to take the time and effort to, to, to make their case why we need to let go, terminate, fire, you know, John Doe, because he's just alien everybody. He's not good micromanager, narcissist, all that. They don't put a posting on, but they'll give the job out to a recruiter too. Not a lot in this instance. They'll probably only give it maybe to one person or maybe two at the most because it gets, you have to do it in stealth mode. And you need a really good recruiter because they ask us 
please don't mention the company or don't mention the reason, you know, what's going on. So imagine that. So now you gotta, you have to find somebody, but yet you can't really tell what's going on and the company. So you have to rely on your good reputation that the candidate is going to trust you. So they're not going to post the job. It's not going to be anywhere, but the job is open. And it's a really good job. It just happens that person is not right for it. And that's where you get sometimes that hidden, what they call the hidden job market. They're not broadcasting it, but now this recruiter, maybe two recruiters know about it. No one else. So you could, so for their clients, their customers, for the recruiters, customers who are good for the job, they have a good advantage because the company's not getting thousands of resumes. They're not going to get as many. So you have a better chance because that recruiter has the reputation. The company will say, hey, we want you to take care of it because I know you can take care of it and won't have that awkward, hey, I found out that you recruited for my job. What's going on here? This is terrible. And that's really awkward and comfortable. And it leads to just arguments in the office. So it's very important. Whew, that was a lot, huh? <laughs> that was kind of like, like, like you, you know, part, I think, was helping everybody understand it. Part was therapeutic for me to, to kind of share, get get all this out. Because I do know there's so many things that people aren't aware of it, not sure what's going on, think that something shady is happening or they're not treated right. But by I, hopefully by putting this big picture together, now you have a good sense of what it's like for a recruiter and why they act the way they do and how you could work successfully, find new jobs from using a recruiter. All right, Chris, what do you think? Does that good? Did we cover it? Did I miss, did I miss anything? I have another thing that I would actually yeah. like you to address. I think it's important to talk about, because I, I don't think a lot of candidates know this, if they apply to a job and then they turn to you to uh, submit them for the same job, your hands are tied. You can now no longer help them get that job because they've applied themselves. And we've seen candidates do that where they'll submit the resume through the company, through their internal site, and then they'll turn to you for that same job and then we'll get in trouble because then they'll be like no I, I didn't apply to a job can you speak to that a little bit yeah that's 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 a bone of contention for a lot of recruiters because what happens is this what christine is is talking about the way it generally works standard procedures that a job is open person send a resume goes into an ats system now they have it in their system but there's a lot of kind of gray area. So what will happen sometimes, let's say a recruiter might speak to a person, tell them all about the job. And, and the person, oh, I love, yeah, this is a great job. And go, oh, do you want me to submit it? You, you want me to send it out? Sure. And usually the recruiter will just do a little write-up, you know, hey, you know, Bob Smith is really good. The, you know, Bob is responsible for X, Y, and Z. And here's what he went to college. And here's why he's looking, blah, 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 blah. Write a little letter send it over with the resume, boom, you send it, send it over to the, to whoever you're dealing with, whether it's, you know, a human being or, or goes into a portal, what have you. Then what happens sometimes is the candidate front runs you and sends the resume first. 
So then when you're when you send the resume, secondly, the company go, oh, Jack, we already have it. I'm like, wait, what do you mean you already have it? I just spoke to that person for an hour. We had a meeting and oh, but they sent it themselves. Like, wait, no, I so you have this kind of weird stuff that happens. Or what happens sometimes, a candidate will have tell other recruiters, oh yeah, I want this job. They'll send in the resume. Then you tell another recruiter, they send in the resume. And you tell another recruiter, they send the resume because they really want that job, but they don't care. So now you sent a resume and then three other recruiters sent their resume. And the company's like, what the heck is going on here? And it makes them uncomfortable because now all the recruiters and everyone's going to fight who gets credit for it. And it's one of those little quirky things that ends up lots of times having challenges because, you know, we're talking, like I mentioned before, big money, you know, the fees are high. So the, you know, if, you know, recruiter says, Hey, I deserve to get paid for it. And the other recruiters, I deserve to be paid for it. And you get all this conflict going on. So I would suggest for people, when you send a resume, make sure that you don't have 10 other people sending the resume to the same place. Um, because it's just, just, just sometimes it's just awkward and blows up and it doesn't look good. Similarly, I don't suggest when you send resumes in to splatter your resume to 10 different jobs on the company website. Uh, because what ends up happening is this, if you send it to five, 10 different, you know, different job postings, they're going to think like, does this person really want to work here for a specific job or are they just anything? It, it kind of dilutes your value. If you're just spamming, spraying and praying, shooting your shot, whatever you want to call it, you want to make sure that you send it to the to the job you want and you're excited about. Now, maybe you can send it to two jobs or three if they all fit, sure. But once you go five, 10, it's it's just a bad look. Does it, did, I, I, did I answer it, Chris, or did I kind of go astray a little bit? Nope, that's perfect. Thank you. I think that's important for people to know because I think people think that it doubles it doubles down and they're like, oh, if I submitted my resume and a recruiter vouches for me, it'll like in my chances, but it won't. And then it'll blow up in your face. Yeah, it's, it, I have one last piece to add, and this is, this is looking out into the future. You know, I've been doing a lot of homework on AI recruiting startups, and it does look like that's going to be the future. There's a lot of these companies that are ranging from LinkedIn to scrappy startups that are having using AI um, to match candidates, you know, with the jobs. So I think for recruiters, the game is going to change a lot. For recruiters, I think what will end up happening, and this is just conjecture, you'll end up having some that are prompters that are really good at prompting hey, I'm looking for this type of role. I need this type of person, this type of location for this comp. We're really good at that. And then you'll have the recruit, like a recruit, the recruiter who has like great skills, social skills, communication skills, and could hold the hand of the person throughout the whole process. You have schmoozy, smart person who can kind of make it happen, negotiate and do all that. But you're probably not going to need as many. So if a company has a hundred talent acquisition recruiters or search firm has, you know, a hundred recruiters, make it go down to 50 and don't shoot the messenger. 
trust me, I, I, I'm not happy about this. But I, I, again, I'll say my job when I'm doing these podcasts and LinkedIn lives is to be transparent and share the information I know. Will Could it happen? Yeah. Will it happen? I'm not sure. It seems all the facts are going in that direction. So they think the recruiters who have great interpersonal skills, communication skills, they're great salespeople. Sometimes you hear sales and you're like, yeah, sales. No, sales is a great skill to have. That's an amazing superpower skill. If you're a good salesperson, you, know, you hear sales and you think sleaziness. But if you're a good salesperson, you're going to do phenomenally well. So this is kind of looking a little bit into the future. And maybe a year later, when we have another podcast, we'll see, am I right or is I wrong? So I hope, I hope this helps out. I hope this clarifies, demystifies what goes on with recruiters. I uh, hope that maybe, you know, we can now all love each other where recruiters and candidates could embrace, hold hands, love each other, work together, live together harmoniously and make everything better because they understand each other. And that's the whole thing, right? This is what it's all about on everything. You know, when we don't take time to understand each other's position, that's when we get angry with each other, you get resentful and you get wars. So we just got to talk to each other and communicate and share what everybody, what each side is thinking about. And if they have, they think they're not being taken seriously or, or they're taking advantage of, you need to talk and explain, oh no, this is why it is. Or to this side, whereas, so similarly, not to get on a weird tangent, but by kind of talking about it, I think it helps and it'll make it better for everybody, S especially during a tough time and everyone's on edge, everyone's anxious, everyone's stressed. Everyone has like a hair trigger because it's just so, you know, everything is so crazy. So hopefully this little part of the market, this part of the industry, hopefully I've clarified some stuff, made life better and improved it. And you come and you walk away learning a whole lot. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, hit me up in the feed from what Christine posted, uh, you know, the listing for the show today. If you want to contact me, direct me, hit me up, call me, email me. You know, uh, send a message on 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 you know the platform here, and I really appreciate you taking the time out this morning to watch and listen. Hopefully, it was helpful. Any new topics you want to go over, hit me up. Let me know. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Have a great day. Bye bye.